0: Welcome to another episode of Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon, and skeptic. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? RDI is a local real estate investment and business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Metro Detroit. This group is about networking and doing deals. This isn't your grandma's Ria. No sales from the front and no smell of stale coffee, Gay, and or disappointments. RDI is also this podcast where once a week I sit down with interesting and successful people, and then we're not doing that part, but we're going live anyway. So this week I'm talking wholesaling 101. All right. And this is not part of the normal podcast. If you're listening to this on iTunes, SoundCloud, anything like that. This is part one of probably a six part series about wholesaling. And today we're going to be talking about generating leads cheaply. All of this will be in the show notes. This will be a handout. And for everybody who came tonight, please give me a card. I will email this out to everybody. Or if you don't have a card, write your email address on the card. Um, I really appreciate that. And for those listening out and about across the world, go to renegadedetroit.com, renegadedetroit.com. Or if you're interested in the local meetings, go to facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. Or go to meetup.com forward slash renegadedetroitinvestors. You can also watch this. Hello, YouTube, at youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit Wholesalers. All right, here we go. Generating leads cheaply, Wholesaling 101. I'm going to go fast. Please write down all your questions. We have a mic, a second mic that is muted. Write down your questions as we go. Um, and when we get to that point, I'm going to try and do this in 40, 45 minutes and have 20, 25 minutes of questions at the end. Generating leads cheaply. Number one, business cards no way to avoid it. You need business cards. Fortunately, they're practically giving this stuff away right now. So I recommend just get a business card, put your name on it, put your email address on it. You don't have an email address, get one, get a Google voice number, get a Gmail. If you feel like you have to have a logo, some people get stuck on this. I did when I first started, I was, I had to name it. I had to think for hours what it was going to be, uh, what is the color of the card telling people, all this stuff. If you're stuck on that, go to Fiverr.com, fiver com. Spend 5 bucks, get a logo. This is for on the cheap, right? If you have more money, for sure go do it, but the whole point of this is cheap. Gmail account, Google, uh, Gmail account for Google Voice, set up voicemail. You can also go to Vistaprint. Vistaprint has a whole quality line of business cards, Literally for 20 bucks, you can get hundreds of these things, okay? You need business cards. It's step one. Step one is business cards. If you can't afford the business cards, you go to Avery A-V-E-R-Y.com. That's like if you ever see those printers where they have those um, all those different little sticky things you put on. I'll put it in the show notes. Anyway, they have a business card templates. Go to Avery.com and go to templates. And you can enter your information there. What needs to be on your business card? Your name. What do you do? I'm a professional real estate investor. Your email address. And preferably your Google Voice number. All right? Set up your Google Voice voicemail. All right? And that voicemail, you want to say, leave your name, property address, and a good time to call you back. And I will call you back in 24 hours or less. All right? Avery, you can print them at home as you need them. So if you're really, really, really on the cheap, you can use Avery, all right? Now we got that out of the way. The business cards are the most important part because we're going to pivot off this as we move forward. Now, remember, the point of this is to spend as little amount of money as possible. I'm assuming for this part, you have more time than you have money, okay? Wholesale deal hunting. What is a wholesale deal? What is it? What are you looking for? Equity. We need to talk about equity. What is equity? You're looking for 35% or more in equity after rehab value, okay? Equity is the difference between what it's worth, what you can buy it for, minus the rehab, okay? These deals, what you're looking for is less than 1% of all real estate sold in America. Now, it's out there. It's not that hard to find. But you need to understand that it's not most transactions. It's not most people. It's not most houses. That way, the first 20 people you talk to, you're not all disappointed about not getting a deal. Very few people actually qualify. First thing you want to qualify, do they have equity? Is it free and clear, or is there enough equity in the property that you can buy it at a price and pass it on to other investors to make money? This varies from market to market. The standard for a wholesaler Is 35%. If you're somewhere else like San Francisco, New York, or Royal Oak, these margins get crunched, right? So I'm giving you very general, broad knowledge. More specific market knowledge is not being covered right now, okay? But in general, you're looking for 35%. How do we find these deals? The how is who? Motivated people. Motivated people must sell. Here are some reasons why they must sell. Foreclosure, relocation, divorce, death, tired landlord, bankruptcy. You've heard all the stories, right? That's what it is. How do you hunt for motivation? Because it's not like somebody puts a flag outside their door and says, come buy me really cheap. I'm tired, and I only have six weeks before I lose a thing, right? You have, to, you have to hunt for them. First thing I want you to do is leave a trail of business cards everywhere you go. Always be carrying Do not leave your house without business cards. And if you don't even have a printer, grab a sheet of paper, grab scissors, cut it, write it on there. Hey, we all start somewhere, right? So what does this mean? You have these business cards, you go to the grocery store and there's a board, leave it on the board. In this coffee shop, if you brought, we were at always brewing Detroit today. If you have business cards, you know, she has several tables for business, leave them there. Everywhere you go, Everywhere you go, leave business cards everywhere. Every time you do it, always have them on you, right? Uh, delis, that too. Tell everybody what you do, what you're doing. Don't lie. Don't pretend to be something you're not. But you need to tell people what you're doing. Friends, family, coworkers, all that. Tell everybody. Church, everything. What do you tell them? Hey, my name's Jeremy. Jeremy. And I'm getting into real estate investing. I'm looking for deals. I'm looking for people who must sell. Do you know anybody who has to sell a house in the next 30 days? That's something you can say. That's who you're trying to help. So start by telling everybody what you're doing. Now, there's a catch-22 here, right? The catch-22 is if you're a shitbag at work and you don't do a good job and you don't do anything well, go back to the beginning, stop being a shitbag, show up on time, Do a good job. Start there first. Don't start real estate investing until you can do a good job at work. Because if you start telling everybody that you're going into real estate investing and you're a slacker who's always out smoking or showing up to work late or pushing off other tasks on the other employees, nobody's going to call you with their deal because they don't think you're going to do anything with it, okay? So it's a catch-22. Why you might not be telling people is because you suck. Stop sucking. Once you're done sucking, then... Go back to that step. Otherwise, tell everybody what you do. Family, friends, coworkers, church members, everybody. Number three, what we're doing tonight, networking. Tons of networking meetings. You can go to lots of different RIAs no matter where you're at in America. I'm sure they have this in Europe as well. Uh, I have some right here for you. If you go to RenegadeDetroit.com, of course. There's also RIA of Oakland. That's a great meeting. Michigan Real Estate Investors, Wendy's. Tom in the back right there with Metro Detroit Real Estate Investors Meetup. I will have these links all in the show notes too. Rhea McComb. You got Wayne County Ria, And you can also just go to meetup.com and look for other business groups. And what are you doing at networking groups? You're meeting people. You're finding buyers. You're finding sellers. You're telling people what you're doing. There's no point in leaving your house if you're not going to tell people what you're doing. Okay. Driving for dollars. Here's another way you can do it. Driving for dollars. This is near you or on your way to work or church or the grocery store. What we want to do is combine things. I realize you might not have enough money for gas to drive around, so we're going to stick to areas you're already driving. Leave for work 20 minutes early. Drive a neighborhood on the way to work. On your way home from work, take 20 minutes. Start driving the neighborhood. On your way to church. Leave 20 minutes early. You get the idea. Stick along, paths. You're already traveling. You are already going to be spending the money on gas. Those become your farm areas. Those become your target areas, right? And what are you looking for? You're looking for signs of distress. The easiest one is vacancy. If the house is vacant, take a business card and a flyer, put it, in the door, all right? Do not mess around with mailboxes, folks. Do not do that. Don't put anything in mailboxes, right? But if you see a vacant house, leave your business card, put a flyer, write down the address. This is for later. Write down the address of the house. What else are you looking for? Overgrown lawn, overgrown landscaping. Um, is the house dated? Or is the paint peeling? Is it uh does it look sad? you never seen any lights on or anything like that. Are the tenants bad? Do they have cars piled up in the front or the back? Tons of people sitting out on the porch, minus Detroit, right, depending on where you're at. You're looking for signs of motivation, even though there's not a flag out front. At any of those places, stop, leave a flyer. And you're feeling particularly bold and safe, and the neighborhood warns it. And uh, don't sue me, by the way. Um, you could door knock, too. Hey, I was driving through the neighborhood. I saw your house, and I thought you might be interested in selling. Now, while you're doing this, this is why you have business cards and flyers, why you are doing this is neighbors might come out too. Have your business card. Tell them what you're doing. Tell them what your flyer, business card. This This is huge, massive action. Most of this is not going anywhere, but it doesn't require hardly any money and takes up for your time. Uh, also, for sale by owners, when you're going through these neighborhoods, you see FSBO signs, the little for sale sign out front, take a picture with your cell phone on the camera, leave a card, leave a flyer, write down the address, write down the number, because you're going to call them later that night when you get home, or maybe in the car on the way home, right? You're prospecting with the least amount of money possible. You're driving through and you see an estate sale. That's a great one, too. Estate sales, somebody usually died. Or went into an old folks home or relocated or downsized or something, right? Not your typical garage sale, although you certainly can. The estate sale would be better. All right. Now the parts you're probably not going to like, right? Cold call sellers. You're already paying for your phone. You already got a cell phone, right? This thing's not going to bite you. You're going to call people, right? Go to Craigslist. Go to Backpage. Dot com. There's lots of for sale by owner sites. You can go to all the networking people, the RIAs, all that. Start cold calling people. And you're going back to your qualification. Do they have equity? Are they sufficiently motivated? Do they have a good reason to sell now? Okay, that's what you're looking for. And for the super motivated, this I don't know if you're really serious. If people actually go out and do this, you want to know how to get somebody's attention, I'm telling you right now. This device is like the future. It's Star Trek. You can embrace it or you can turn away from it. With this phone, you can start your own TV show on YouTube, on Periscope, or any other platform you want. Start with episode one. I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm going to learn. Here's what I'm doing today, driving for dollars. And then you go to GoDaddy or something like that. You go to TimBuysHouses.com. You buy it. You spend the 13 bucks. Or if you don't even have the thirteen bucks, you can go to back, or you can go to um, uh, WordPress, or you can go to Tumblr. Lots of free sites, places where you can actually post your blog. You can write it, you can video it. In fact, I recommend you do all of it. Or hey, start a podcast. I can do it. Certainly means you can do it. You go to Bigger Pockets; they have it as well. You can do it all from your phone. I highly recommend that you be genuine and you be honest. Don't say you're some big swinging real estate dick who does 10 deals a month when you're just getting started. First of all, they'll sniff that out in a heartbeat. Second of all, you're going to get a lot further with honesty. There are great great examples of this. Todd Waller, I haven't seen him in a long time. He did a $60,000 in 60 days or something like that. He failed miserably. He did a blog post every day, and he built a huge buyer's list and got money off it, right? For what? Failing? Yes. You can fail and succeed at the same time. This will generate leads. Take these blogs, take these videos, take these podcasts, Periscope, whatever you're doing, share it all across the internet, social media, Facebook, Twitter, all that. Tell people what you're doing, all right? I know that's kind of fast. I just gave you the down and dirty. Screening a deal in detail, right? So you've done your driving for dollars. You've done all that. You have people. You have phone numbers. You have email addresses. You talk to people. They're calling in. They're leaving messages. Now what? For a lot of people, this is the worst thing. Oh, my God. I have to talk to somebody now, right? Fear not. It's not that hard. First of all, there's nothing they can do to you over the phone. You're going to be okay, right? They're going to yell at you. That's going to happen sometimes. They're going to tell you to fuck off. That's going to happen sometimes, right? Nothing bad is actually going to happen. Your hurt feelings don't matter, despite universities, okay? They don't matter. Equity, motivation, get their contact info, email, and a cell number if you can. You need the number. See if you can't get the email. You won't implement it now, necessarily, besides just to communicate with them. But it's a good practice. Get the email. Get the property info, address exterior is a brick vinyl wood etc the layout is it a bungalow a colonial a ranch a tri level number of beds number of baths does it have a basement is it finished or not i guess on the square footage check public records if not ask the seller does it have a garage is it attached number of cars is it vacant or rented if it's rented how much is it rented for and do you have a lease and or receipts and proof of payment. What are we doing here? We're trying to establish some sort of after repair value, ARV. This is down and dirty, gets you 80% of the way. How do I move forward on this deal? Do they have equity? That's simple, 35% or more minus rehab. Fine. What is the house actually worth? Get that information. If you can, if you have access to the MLS, that is the best place to get Comparables, other properties that are sold in the last 90 days or less within a quarter mile or 180 days within half a mile if you have to, okay? Am I not talking loud enough? All right, I'm going to talk as loud as I can. You're trying to establish an after repair value so you can subtract 35% minus the rehab. Can we ask them maybe to not talk as loud? Or would that kill them? Would anybody die if they walk over and ask him not to talk as loud? Somebody fucking ask him not to talk as loud, please. Or I'll stop the podcast and go do it. All right? If you can't get access to the MLS, this is not perfect. Zillow and or Trulia. Now, keep in mind, these are very rough numbers, but we're in a very rough part, right? We're just trying to say, should I spend another three minutes on the phone with this seller? This is all you're trying to do, Right? Once you have that after repair value, now you need to ask, does the property need any work? Is there any big ticket items? Big ticket items include roof, windows, siding, garage, foundation, and mechanicals, right? These things usually cost money. The more square footage the house is, the more expensive it's going to be. I'll give you a great example. A roof in Detroit on a 1,000-square-foot house is almost never, even with a tear-off, more than $4,000, right? If you add 4,000 more square feet, you don't add 4,000 more dollars. Now it's more like $10,000. You start adding peaks to it. The more peaks, start adding a couple more thousand dollars. Same thing when you get to mechanicals. The more plumbing, the more bathrooms, the further you have to run the plumbing and all that, the more expensive it is. So when I ask, when was the last time the roof was replaced? Do you know? If they don't know... What does the roof look like? When you're looking at it, does the roof look good? Does it look tired? Does it need work? Windows. This is very market-specific, Detroit especially, also Metro Detroit. Wood windows are a problem. If they don't have newer vinyl double-pane windows, you need to ask, have your windows been updated in the last 20 years? Are they the double-pane vinyl windows? Ask that. Siding, if it's not brick, if it's wood, is it vinyl, is it aluminum? What shape is the siding in? The garage, this happens all the time in Detroit. Nobody likes spending money on a garage. You don't get any money back out, but you need to ask. You need to tear it down. It could cost you $1,000 or $2,000 to tear it down. You need to find out. Foundation, anything wrong with the foundation? Foundation is usually no go for me. If it has a foundation problem, I'm done. Some people specialize in it. I don't. I don't know anything about them, and I've got burned by them, so I don't like them. And mechanicals, furnace, hot water tank, plumbing, electrical. There's still tons of houses in Metro Detroit that are still on diffuses. I want to know that. I asked the question. You could actually do this from start to finish, six to seven minutes, if you keep the conversation going. Now, this is a lot easier if you've rehabbed a house before, right? If you haven't rehabbed a house, you're going to have to take some sort of guess on what this work is. Notice I didn't tell you the dollar amounts. I asked you to write down what it needs. Does it need a roof? Does it need plumbing? Why? Because hopefully you grabbed my business card or you went to a local RIA or something like that or somebody you know who has done rehabs, and hopefully you can add enough value that you can call them on the phone for five minutes or take them out to coffee and start getting an idea on what rehab costs are. I know this part is uncomfortable because there's a lot of guesswork, and you don't know. We all start somewhere. So you've collected a list of work it needs. If it doesn't need work, but is it outdated? How do I ask this question? In Detroit, I say, has the bathroom or the kitchen been updated in the last 20 years or less? Has the kitchen or the bathroom been updated in the last 20 years or less? The answer to that question is no. I'm generally going to put in some number for either updating it partially if it's going to be a rental or completely if it's going to be a flip. All right. I don't know how many people have seen it in Detroit. A lot of houses in Detroit still have the original, the very original little tile, two cabinets, one sink. Apparently they didn't have dishes and they need a a place to put anything. I don't know why, but there's a lot of that. You want to know that. And it's especially bad in Royal Oak. You, even a, a, a kitchen from the Early two thousands, they'll, they'll turn up their nose at it, you know. And you're pulling the whole thing out and putting twenty grand in. So this is also market specific, but you want to know if it's been updated or not in the last twenty years. Now you need to determine your maximum allowable offer, your Mayo, right? That's what we call it, Mayo. M A O, maximum allowable offer. So this is your equation. You take your after repair value, your ARV, which you diligently figured it out. You subtract 35% from that, right? You subtract your estimated rehab, and that gives you the maximum, obviously with some room for error, this is not perfect, allowable offer, right? Now you have a number to start with with the seller. Mr. Seller, how much are you hoping to get? Oh, I don't know. I got 50 grand into it. Oh, wow. Yeah, it sounds like a lot. Do you know how much houses have been selling for in your area? No, I don't. But I saw on Zillow three years ago it sold for four times as much. Well, if you look at the comps, most of the houses have been selling for less than $30,000. Mr. Seller, if I paid you all cash, closed when you wanted, what's the least you would consider? Shut the fuck up. Let them say a number, right? If I paid you all cash, closed when you wanted, what's the least you would consider? And Steve taught me this. No matter what they say, is that really the best you can do? You'd be surprised just by asking that one question, what happens? You do this in a friendly manner. Now, what happens if they absolutely will not give you the number? This happens a lot. First of all, it's an indication of they're not very motivated. But also, if you have a lot of competition in the market, like Royal Oak, you will also see this happening, right? Try your best. I'll always flip it back. I'm not sure. I haven't done the research yet. How much do you have into it? How much have you invested in the house? How much did you originally buy it for? I'll try and get some number. Assuming you can't get a number, you have your Mayo, right? So I will usually give a range. Let's say my Mayo is fifty-five thousand dollars. I will give them a range. I'll go. I don't know, somewhere between forty-five and fifty-five thousand dollars. Does that sound like something you're willing to consider? Shut up again. Let what happens happens. There's plus or minuses in this. You might be able to go to sixty. You might not. You're just trying to figure out, are they motivated and are you close? Obviously, that's something they're willing to consider. Time to book the appointment, right? So if you figured out your after repair value, you know what your mayo is, your maximum allowable offer, you've talked to the seller, you figured out rehab, you got them on the phone, you ask the question, you have to ask, how much were you hoping to get? If I paid you all cash and closed when you wanted, what's the least you consider is that really the best you can do? And then if you're close, that means there is motivation. They have the equity. They're motivated. When can I come out and take a look at it? When's the first available time? Book the appointment. And if you don't know what you're doing, this is when you call in all your help too. So hopefully you're a good person. You work hard. You're a great, you're a great worker. You have good relationships from other RIAs and all that. This is the part where you might want to call in some help. But if you, even if you don't have it, don't be afraid to go. So you set the appointment, right? I know we're going fast because I wrote out way too much. All right. We set the appointment. I got 15 minutes. They're motivated. Set the appointment. Call an hour before to confirm the appointment. Be on time. You don't want your first meeting with the seller to be late. Now, I'm not talking a minute or two. That's fine. I'm generally early. But do not be late. Just start on the right foot, okay? You're not that fucking busy. You're not that important. Be on time, okay? It's professionalism. Um let's see here. Take lots of pictures. You have the cell phone? Lots of pictures. Not 20, not 30, not 40. I generally take at least 100 pictures. Get one from the front, straight on. Get one from the side to show depth. Get one of the roof. Circle the entire neighborhood. Get all sides of the house. Anytime you see anything wrong, peeling paint, take a picture of it. Crack in the driveway, take a picture of it. Old window, take a picture of it. Stand in the carpet, take it. you're getting the idea, right? Old kitchen, take a picture of it. And if you can, and I'm not the best at this, get video too after you've done it. You're aiming for a 100 pictures, okay? That's what you want. You want as much information as you can. After you take these pictures and you get this video, right? Now you want to verify what the seller told you on the phone. This is important for two reasons. Now we're we're starting to hone in, right? Because before we were probably within 10 or 15% ARV after repair value minus the rehab. We want to confirm that rehab. Before we made we actually got to the appointment, we narrowed down on the after repair value too. So now we're we're talking percentage points, people. Percentage points. We went from gross to a little closer, and now we went super fine. So if he told you it needs a roof, you need to check the roof. If said no paint and carpet was fine and you walk inside and it needs paint and carpet, that changes. I make sure to tell the seller because if they told me one thing over the phone, I don't say, seller, you lied to me about the paint and carpet. They go, if I remember correctly, on the phone, you didn't mention that it needed paint or carpet. That's something easy to overlook Oh, yeah, that furnace is 20 years old. When we talked about it on the phone, you said it was newer. I also say nice things about the house. Why? Because it's genuine. If I like the house, if I like the fireplace, I'll say something nice about it. I don't subscribe to the fact that you can't say something nice about the house or you won't get it at the price. When I say something nice about the house it's true, it makes what I said bad about the house true as well. And then the seller is far more likely to take that seriously. You want to check your rehab list and get the numbers. Now, if you can, see if you can't seal the deal there. You've gone through the house. you got your pictures. you got your video. You've verified your rehab. You brought somebody along if you could, if you're new. If you can't do it on the spot, don't worry. In fact, a lot of times, I will artificially put time into the equation. I'm doing it less now than I used to. Sometimes 24 hours makes it more believable like you're doing work. Some people just literally can't believe that in 20 minutes you can walk through a house, know how much work it needs, more or less, and write an offer that can get it done today. Sometimes you can. Sometimes they can't. I'll put in 24 hours. If you don't know, don't do it there. But if you do know, have a purchase and sale agreement there, right? Speaking of purchase and sale agreements... Because of legal, all sorts of legal things, I cannot give you a purchase and sale agreement. Why? Because your dumbass might go out, lose some money, and then your auntie will hire a lawyer to sue me, right? There's nothing scary about a purchase and sale agreement. Grab anyone you can. I know Rhea McComb just gives them away. Go on the internet, download one, all right? What do we wanna worry about here, though? There's some things you have to have in a purchase and sale agreement. You just absolutely have to have it. As a wholesaler, you must have. It's not open for debate. And or signs, right? And or signs. Why? Because you don't have any money. That's why you're here. You're trying to figure out how to do this as cheap as possible, right? You don't want to use your own money. Even if you have the money, you don't want to use your own money. There's nothing wrong with using your own money. But if you don't have to, don't. And or signs is what allows you to assign the contract to another investor. So this is something that Steve does. Steve puts a house under contract. He emails it to other investors. They say, "Hey, I want this house." He then sends them an assignment, a contract. What is an assignment of contract? It's that and or assigns part. It says, "I'm paying you a certain amount of money for the right to buy the property at the price and other details that you agreed to with the seller." So it's the additional amount on top, and this shows up on the HUD on the buyer's side, right? So let's say I put a house under contract for $20,000. It's worth $50,000 and needs five grand in rehab. I go to Jeff. Jeff says, yeah, I'll buy that for $30,000. I send him an assignment of contract. Literally, it says across the top, assignment of contract for the property address 111115 Coffee Street in Detroit. $20,000, all that. Please see the purchase and sale agreement dated such-and-such date between such-and-such real estate investor and the seller. We'll say, Joe, whatever. That's your assignment of contract. That's it. You're selling the purchase and sale agreement to the investor, and you're almost always getting paid at the closing, okay? Be honest and transparent, right? This is a business. When it comes to negotiation and all that, uh, tell them. I always tell them right up front. Hey. My boss is a professional real estate investor. He's not a homeowner. He does this for a business. He's got five kids. This is how he feeds his five kids. You would almost always do better if you went with a real estate agent. I just get it out up front. If they ask, I tell them how much you take off the top, something like 30 to 35%. If they have a problem with that? I tell them everything that could possibly go wrong, right? Market could change, you can hold on to it for 3 extra months, insurance costs money. Utilities cost money. If you're going into the winter, higher heating bills, or you need to winterize it, all this costs money. Be upfront, transparent, and honest. Why? Because you need more things in the contract. You need more things in the contract. You're going to have to show the house. You're going to have to show the house. I can count on one hand the number of times I've wholesaled a house and not had to show it. So I might as well be honest with the seller. Hey, I'm going to have to walk my investors through. I might have to walk six, seven, eight, nine different investors through. You better have told them what you're doing because they're going to ask. They're going to want to know. You're going to have to walk them through the house. Are you going to lie to them every time? Oh, yeah, this is so – This no, just tell them. Tell them. So you need to get access to it. You need access to it. Um, Let me see here. You need to show the house to get it sold. No EMD. You would be surprised. Earnest money deposit, that's EMD. I can count on one hand the number of times I've been asked about putting money down on a deal. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying don't do it if you don't have to. Don't bring it up. If it comes up, if the deal's good enough, absolutely do it. If you don't have the money, go and get a partner who has the money and put the EMD down. But I can literally, thousands of conversations, thousands of houses, one hand, the number of people who ask me for an earnest money deposit. Days to close, right? This is, a, this is kind of a, this is up in the air. When you're first starting, you want as much time as you can possibly get. But, but here's my disclaimer. It doesn't matter how many days you're going to get. If it's not a good deal, it's not going to sell. So what I don't want you doing is saying, well, I will get 15% off, but I'll get 60 business days. So even though it's a small deal, no, don't do that. You're making my job harder. You're making everybody else's job harder. Equity, motivation, stick with it. I do 30 days. I do 30 days. Business days, sometimes I'll do 60 business days. But I'll be up front about it. This is something you can do. I learned this from uh, Ron uh, Walraven, right? You should go back and listen to that podcast. Here's what he does, and I think this is great. Here's my maximum allowable offer, and that's a low number. That's usually a really low number. If you accept this, it gets done no matter what. Because if it's really a deal, you will get it done no matter what. If you have to come up and the seller won't come down to where you need to be, you can say something like, well... We could go with a higher price, but we might get to the end of 30 or 60 days and this house might not be sold, and that would still be on you. Is that something you want to do? Why not be upfront about it, folks? Why not be honest about it? If you're not sure or you think that 10% might, now's the time to say something. Don't promise things to the seller you cannot do, right? So the 60 days would be maybe you can't get 35%. But you can do 25%. Give it a shot. Be honest about it. Maybe I can't get it done. All right? Sign on the line that is dotted. Don't be afraid to ask. Send them the purchase and sale agreement filled out. If you're right there in front of them, fill it out right in front of them. Slide it over to them. Hand them the pen. Ask. Ask. You have to ask. I've had problems with this in the beginning, too. This is not something that nobody has a problem with. A lot of people have a problem with this. You cannot be afraid to ask. You spent time on the phone. You spent time driving around. You walked through the house. You took the pictures. You got the video. You figured out the after repair value. You figured out the rehab. You figured out your maximum allowable offer. And a lot of people will get stuck right there and not ask. Everything is wasted if you don't ask. You have to ask. And just know that if you're doing your job right, at least two-thirds of them are going to say no. It happens. Get used to no. Most of your day is going to be no. Fact, reality, nothing bad happens. No, she didn't die. No, she didn't die. I hate your guts you still didn't die. Nothing happened. Just ask. Now, assuming you got the purchase and sale agreement, signed. You have all your pictures and video. It's time to upload those things, man. Lots of free places to do it. You can use uh, Google Drive. You get a free amount, of certain amount of space. I don't know. It's a lot. It's like a gig or something like that. Go to Google Drive. You can upload your pictures there. Why do you want to do that? Same with the video, or you can upload your video to YouTube. Because now you're going to email all that networking we did. Oh, yeah, I, I buy houses in East Point. I buy houses in Detroit. I buy houses in Farmington Hills, right? You've been networking. You've been going to RIAs. You know these people. You have a good deal. You know Tom. You know Jeff. You know someone. Now is when you start sending emails and making phone calls. And you take all your due diligence. This is very important. I want you to listen to this. You're not a wholesaler if you don't have it under contract. You're not. You're not a wholesaler if you don't have it under contract. You can't just say, here's an address, I'm a wholesaler, figure it out, and send me money. I delete your fucking email. Everybody who's serious and busy will delete your email. So you want to send out a good email. You want to include the property address. You want to include a link with the pictures. You want to include the link with the video. I generally won't throw a number out for rehab, but I will include the list... Of all the things I think it needs. If it's rented, I'll throw what it's rented for. I'll have a copy of the lease. I'll have copies of receipts. I want to get all the due diligence. What are you getting paid for wholesaler? Convenience to the other real estate investor. Service. Service. They don't owe you shit. They don't care how much time you spend on it. Put together a good email. Take good pictures. Have good information. Blast it out. Post it to Craigslist. Post it to back page. Uh, go to RIA's. Put together flyers. Call everybody. Start talking to people in the neighborhood around. If you have a good deal, you will be able to sell this. Send your purchase and sale agreement to the title company. If you need some recommendations for a title t- company? Ask me later. You're going to want to make sure you use your title company. Not every title company knows what an assignment is. Not every title company will do an assignment. No, it's not illegal. We're talking about less than 1% of the market. Less than 1% of the market. A lot of this shit's weird for a regular title company, right? Let's see here. Oh, Facebook. Don't forget to post your deal all over. Get pictures. If they're signing the contract, get a picture of them signing the contract. Pictures of everything. Tweet out everywhere. And most importantly... Call me, call me 313-600-2133. Why do you think I'm doing this? I want you guys, at least some of you guys to send me some leads and we can make some money together. Okay. doesn't mean I don't like you. I'm just trying to make more money. And that's what you should be doing too. I'm trying to generate more leads tonight. I'm putting this on, uh, this podcast out everywhere to generate more leads. Give me a call. If it's not me, you don't like me or somebody else. That's fine. Call Jeff, call Tom, call someone. All right. Um, Go to closing. Go to closing. Don't drop the ball on the one-yard line. Think about how many hours you spent on the phone, driving around, being told no, negotiating with the seller, negotiating with the buyer. Sometimes you go through a few buyers before you find the right one, right? And then you're just going to send them to the title company and put both people to the same room at the same time and hope everything turns out right? I don't think so. Go. Don't drop the ball on the one-yard line. And it's a perfect time to get a picture, get video, get a written testimonial, and ask them, do you or anyone else you know have any other real estate you're thinking of selling? Do you or anyone you know, have any other real estate you're thinking about selling. The cheapest customer is the one you keep. The expensive customer is the one you have to get every time. Try and think, if possible, and the lifetime value of a customer. Think of it referral. If you did a good job, there's no reason why you shouldn't ask. If you're honest, you did what you said you're going to do, you solve problems, ask. Even if you didn't ask, get the testimonial. Even if they say you suck, get it anyway. Write it down. You might suck. You might need to hear it. You might need to do something different. Get the testimonial. Now you hopefully have your first check. Repeat. All right. I think that's the fastest I've ever talked in my life. I did it in 45 minutes. You're probably going to have to listen to this thing 10 times to make any sense of it. It is loud in here, too. I apologize for that. I will work on that later. If you spend more money, though, here, by the way, it will make it easier for me to talk about um, how maybe it should be quieter in here. So make sure you spend some money. That being said, now's the time. Now's the time. I got this mic over here. I went fast. If you have questions, please don't be afraid. I'm not going to bite. Now's time for questions. Who has questions? Got to come up to the mic. Jeremy, you said that you don't put money down on the, on the contract. My, my understanding is that a, a contract isn't enforceable without money. Have you ever had a seller change their mind and uh, sell to somebody else? And if so, how, how did you uh, enforce a contract? I have had lots of sellers change their mind. Okay, I'm sorry. The question was – thank you, Gina. I appreciate that. The question was, his understanding was, to make a contract valid, you have to put earnest money down, some amount of earnest money. And then he asked, have you ever had a seller change their mind after they signed a contract because of this? I have had lots of sellers change their mind after signing the contract. Not because of an earnest money deposit, though. I'm not (coughs) saying it won't ever happen. And I do believe Jeff is right. That doesn't mean people don't do it. But I think to the absolute letter of the law, it's something like $100. That hasn't happened to me. Now, what do I do if a seller backs out? It depends. It depends. Sometimes it's a pretty good reason, and I don't want to end up on the news, right? A disabled man who changed his mind about selling his house, he's going to stay because his brother doesn't want him to move down the Florida anymore. I let it go. I'm not happy about it. First of all, I want to be a decent human being. Second of all, I don't want to end up on the news. Third of all, I just know shit happens, Right? If I think the seller is lying to me or is being deceitful, I will file a claim of interest. All that does is put a mark on title. Now, I don't know if that would ever stand up in court without an earnest money deposit, but I do know nobody wants to go to court when they're selling their property, right? We have had this actually happen once where he lied to us. He lied to us the whole time. He signed. He had some cockamamie story about why he couldn't sell. We caught him in the lie multiple times. We gave him every opportunity over the entire length of the contract. We we even tried to give him more money because we just wanted to get the deal done. We had a buyer. We had had a seller. He wouldn't do it. We filed a claim of interest. Less than six weeks later, phone starts ringing from the title company. Now, we didn't make as much on it as we would have liked. We only made two grand. But they paid two grand for release of the claim of interest. So, thank you, Jeff. Great question. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Next question. A little closer. Talk loud. Um, so, what I wanted to know is, um, how often do you use the MLS to wholesale, and if and when you do, how do you leverage finding or contacting the, I guess, the seller's agent? Controversy. Often, I would say fifty percent of the time. Right, you think? Yeah, so the question is, how often do you use the MLS to sell your wholesale deal? Right, that was part one. Well, how often are you using that MLS to find those wholesale? Deals? Oh, I mean, to no. find the wholesale deals? I mean, Never. Never, zero, no, no. I I need somebody to let me put Andorra signs. I need somebody to not have me put an earnest money deposit down, and I need to recognize the MLS serves the other 99 percent of the market right there's nothing wrong with the mls you can find deals on the mls absolutely they're just very difficult to wholesale that being said i have done it you typically have to do a double close you will not be able to do typically an and or signs you will probably have to put down an earnest money deposit but if you have that money and it's a good deal don't let the mls stop you write the offer put it down buy it, do a double closing. A double closing is on the same day you buy it with your money and then your buyer, so you're selling it. Now you're the seller, right, on the same day. And you it costs more because you have two sets of closing costs, but you take the stuff in the middle. All right, next question. Can you talk about um, possible exit strategies in case you can't find a buyer after you get the property under contract? Possible exit strategies if you can't get the buyer, if you can't find a buyer after you put it under contract. This usually means you screwed up, right? So always look at yourself first. What did you get wrong? Did you get the after-pair value wrong? Did you screw up the rehab? Or rarely did you not market it, right? Now, I have done all three of these things. I will still continue to do all three of these things, hopefully less, so let's say you have to have, you screwed up, right? Because that's usually what it is. You screwed up. So let's go with number one or two. You screwed something up. It's time to have a conversation with the seller, and I recommend honesty. I've had to do this. It absolutely sucks, but it's part of the business. Mr. and Mrs. Seller, I apologize. I screwed up. I thought this property was a deal at $50,000. What I did wrong was I thought it was worth Eighty thousand fixed up, and it turns out it's only worth seventy thousand dollars fixed up. And then usually, I will have another offer for them. I can't get it done at fifty, and I understand if you want to walk away today. But I have an offer for forty thousand dollars, and we can close in less than a week. Is that something you're willing to consider? It sucks. I always offer. They're gonna be mad. It's almost always you, right? If it's not me. Get more time. Hey, I thought I had this sold. My investor who said he was gonna do it backed out. I apologize. It needs to be the truth, right? So let's say you did market it. It is a good deal. For whatever reason you haven't found you just know it's a good deal. You have all the information to back it up, but maybe you haven't marketed it as well or you don't have a network or your buyer backed out. That happens, right? Buyers back out the day of closing too. Buyers walk away from earnest money deposit. By the way, at the closing table, sure is a lot easier if you're uh, if you're honest up front too, right? You don't want them to be finding out now's the time you're wholesaling the property. You better have explained that to them on day one, so they understand when you start saying my my investor walked out, my buyer walked out. They have an idea what you're talking about, and I'll get more time. I actually had a seller cuss me out for five minutes and talk about what a worthless piece of shit I am because he misunderstood the numbers on the HUD as the buyer is having a screaming fit and walking out and he was never going to talk to me again. Ten minutes later, he was apologizing to me. We were at the end of our contract and he gave us an additional two weeks or three weeks and we got it done because I asked and I was honest and I just took it right so a lot of what you do in this business is you take the shit. Whether it's your fault or not, it's usually your fault, but even if it's your not, take it, ask for more time. What, are they going to say, no? Then apologize and make it heartfelt, and then don't fucking do it again. All right. And it's still you're still going to do it, all right? I'm just, it sucks. I have a question I, from Periscope. Ooh, question from Periscope. It says, Is there a law in the state of Michigan that you need to be a licensed realtor to assign a contract? Woo, controversy. I don't actually know. I think we're heading to a place where you might need to be a real estate agent. I'm not sure if that's currently what it is as of 2015. What I can say is Mr. Alan Daniels has, after years, finally persuaded me. Not because of now, but he's persuaded me that we're doing more European-style legislation, and I think it will be a problem in the future. I do. It's a gray area. Depending on who you ask, you will get two different answers. And really, if it's more than five properties a year, uh, it's not as gray as I would like anymore. All right. So it's still in the gray, but it's a little bit more towards towards the black. So if you're not the kind of person who likes operating in the gray... Go get your real estate license. You want to feel better about it. And in Michigan, there was a recent um, uh, legal update by the the board of realtors uh, attorney that mentioned this issue. I'll send it to you so you can post that in the show notes. I'll put it in the show notes. And what did it say? It said basically that his opinion Hold on. It said basically. It said basically that his opinion was that you did need to have a license. You do need a license. Um, It's still up for debate based on some of the things, some of his uh, interpretations of the law and of the rule. But honestly, better safe than sorry, get your license. There's only a few things you need to do differently, and it's probably in your best interest to get a license. I'm getting a license. I'm getting a license. And usually, my understanding, too, is if it's five or less properties a year, which hopefully you're going to do more, right? But if it's five or less, you're going to be okay. If it's six or more... You're not okay, right? So you don't need it to start, but when you start making money, you need to put it on the agenda. You need to may, probably make time for it, right? Any other questions? Yeah, got to come up to the microphone. No, but I have a clarification. The Brittinghams did the 60K in 60 days. That's what? Didn't I say that? Todd Brittingham? Oh, I'm sorry. Todd Brittingham. Sorry, Waller. You didn't do any of that shit. <laughs> All right. It was Todd Brittingham, $60,000 in 60 days. Uh, I think that was, I don't know. I'll put the website in, too, in the show notes. Any other questions? Going once. Any other questions? I'm not going to answer questions if we're not recording, so if you think you're going to ask me questions afterwards, that ain't going to happen. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. Come on up. Twist the arm. Arm bar. I don't bite. Hard. So if there's someone that's working full time, maybe doesn't have the time or the knowledge to be meeting with, property owners, or assessing the rehab? Is there ideas that you have for partnering with people that might be doing the marketing side of thing or the phone calls, but not necessarily have the time during their 9 to 5 to actually meet with the uh, sellers, the buyers, and go into the closings? Great question. So the question is, if you have a busy full-time job you don't necessarily have the time to sit down With sellers or buyers, is there something you can offer to a partnership where you might be able to do something? I don't know. Can you? I would say yes, right? Um, Let me give you an example. I'll give you a real-life example, right? Um, I need to get back in the real estate. I didn't have any money, multiple lawsuits, three years off, right? Um, I started looking at all my options. I know that I'm kind of radioactive, Um, I can't do anything in my own name. It's going to make everything really challenging. not a great situation. So I looked at my field. What do I want to do? I want to wholesale. I looked at my field of wholesalers. I started paying attention to what they're doing. I paid attention to the people who did what they say they're going to do. And when I finally picked that person, Steve, um, I I made him money. I made him money first. Now, if you can't make somebody money first, what could you do? There's lots of things you can do. Maybe you're good at video editing. For instance, right now, I could use video editors. I'm recording this right now for YouTube. I suck at video editing. I will not be spending any time video editing. If somebody was to edit my video, I would probably spend a a fair amount of time with them, helping them get what they need, right? What value can you add? Maybe you're a graphic artist, and you can work on their logo. Maybe you're a website designer here, let me work on your website for a few hours, or let me update your website, and can you help me with this? Maybe you could just do the calls. Maybe you can do some calls. You just do some initial screening questions while you're learning, Um, less than two or three minutes on the phone, something like that. Uh, Hey, I had a guy who would not leave me alone, Mr. Ian Watts. I wasn't ready to do anything. I was right in the middle of multiple lawsuits. Life was terrible. I hated it. I was 50 pounds heavier. I didn't want to talk to anybody, right? He called me. He emailed me. He didn't have any money. He was just getting started. He just would not leave me alone over several months. He was relentless. Then he started contacting my other friends and having them call me, right? So finally I'm like, oh, all right, I'm going to take this meeting with Mr. Ian Watts. Ian came prepared. Let me help you farm. Let me help you pick up dog poop. Let me Whatever you need done, I'll do it. X number hours, and you give me coaching. He closed me. I don't want to pick up dog poop, right? He just wore me down. I I need a mulch. I, I farm. I have an urban farm. I need a mulch spread. He spread the mulch. He picked up the dog poop. I spent a couple hours with him every week helping him on his business. So to answer your question, yes, limited only by your creativity and what value you could bring. I don't know what value you can bring. I'm positive There is value you could bring, though. So you might want to go home and think, what am I really good at that I can do for someone? And maybe target that investor, too. What are they interested in? What are they concerned about? What can I do for them that they would consider valuable? And then what do I want in exchange for that? That would be what I would recommend. Does that answer your question? Excellent. Go ahead, sir. Going back to the question regarding the real estate license and then wholesaling, um, if you did have your license around with a, a broker, would it be advisable that if you got a lead that you weren't motivated enough, or they couldn't come down in price, but the house was good enough to list on the MLS? Hell yeah! Would yes. it be advisable to So the that? question was, if you have a seller and you can't, and you have a real estate license and you're a real estate agent, and you can't get them to your maximum allowable offer. Should you consider listing it? I would say absolutely, right? And if you don't, refer them. Refer them to someone who can list them, right? Do this for two reasons. First of all, it's an additional source of income if you're licensed, right? You do need to be licensed to refer. That doesn't mean there's not creative ways around it, but it would make it a lot easier. And depending on who you're working with, they might demand it, right? You can list it yourself. And what are we trying to do? We're trying to service sellers, Even if that seller won't or can't sell the property at the price you need, if you can help them with their situation and you can put them with someone who can, keep them in your database. Work them as part of your power base. Give them a call. They are far more likely to refer you out to someone who can if you solved their problem. Try and think. It's hard to do, especially when you're short on money. Um or time, you got kids, whatever. It's difficult to do sometimes, but try and think of the seller first and solving their problem, whether it makes you money or not. Now, I don't want you going out solving everybody's problem. I'm just saying if you can, right? I refer people all the time. So to answer your question, yes, sir, I absolutely would. In fact, some of the best wholesalers in the business have multiple streams of income, And one of the main ways they make additional income is listing those properties on the MLS or referring them to someone who lists them and getting a kickback. So, yes, sir. Any other questions? Going once. Any other questions? Going twice. Any questions from Periscope? All right. I'm going to wrap this up. I really appreciate everybody coming out. We are live at Always Brewing Detroit. Go to alwaysbrewingdetroit.com. You hear all that background noise. This was a live event recorded live on this Tuesday evening of November 2015. I'm sorry this wasn't as put together as it could have been, and it was as loud as it was. I will release this, and hopefully it will be quieter. It will be free. I will also release all the show notes and all the links. But I need to know who you are. Leave me your card. Leave me your email address. If you're already subscribed on SoundCloud or iTunes or YouTube, it will eventually be up, probably in the next week. I really appreciate your time. And as I wrap this up, I do want to thank Amanda from alwaysbrewingdetroit.com. Make sure before you leave tonight we spend some more money. We do not pay anything to be here. Uh, Five bucks if you can't, you know, try. Do your best. You don't like coffee, get a tea. You don't like tea, buy water. She She has food. She has soup. She has something. I appreciate the space. I appreciate your attention. If you're interested, leave me your email address. For those listening, go to renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in the local meetings, go to facebook.com forward slash Detroit investment club, or go to meetup.com forward slash renegadedetroitinvestors, or you can go to youtube.com forward slash user, forward slash Detroit wholesalers. And uh, if you enjoy this and you find it helpful, please share it with everybody. I really appreciate it. It is free. And um, I really appreciate the time you took to come out tonight. And I just want to encourage you to do what it takes to become financially independent. I know. I know there's a lot of distractions, including in this coffee shop tonight. It was hard to hear over all the noise. I appreciate you taking the time to come out. I will do better in the future. Try and overcome your bad habits, your bad start, poisonous people. Just get started. Stick with it, folks. Don't give up. Do something every day that gets you closer to goals. I want to thank you for listening and your attention. Until the next time, crush it.